Praise the Lord, this is Brother Julius Adiomi. I'm going through the Gospel of Luke and we're now in chapter 15. And most of all of these are of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we will read through it and occasionally we will pause and give some comments. And we are the Lord already giving the meaning. We don't need to explain for that. But many of the time there are no meaning to it. We just explain how he has revealed to us. Chapter 15 of Luke, verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he has found it, he laid it on his soldiers, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was not. I say unto you, like, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repented, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Now, the Lord was touching, teaching us there that there is joy in heaven when a sinner repents, joy among the angels, even among those people that know the person that are already dead before him. Verse 8. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. So the Lord is giving us to see that it is good to be a witness or to preach the gospel, to save souls, because there will be joy among the angels when one soul is saved. So if you are not the one going about preaching about, sponsor the gospel. And if you can witness, witness, in, if you are a believer, witness in your neighborhood, in your co, your place of work, to your friends and your, and your family members. To repent from our sins. It's a new life. Change heart. Born again experience. They can experience also if they come to Christ and ask for it. Because he that asks can receive it. When, you, when they are coming to Christ, when they come, they are now going to make the angels rejoice in heaven. That's what the clause is saying. There's a joy among the angels for one sinner that repents. Verse 11. I'm reading the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. We are now in verse 11. And he said to them, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followed to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger, after, uh, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. 
and they sent him into, the, into his fields to feed swine. And he would, have, he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, the Lord gave this parable of a, what you call a son. It's what he called about this parable. His son has only said he wanted to get out of his father's house and go make it by himself. And he collected his own share of his father's inheritance and left. But he wasted it because that's what normally happens people that don't have plan, they don't know how to manage. They don't know how to, they have never experienced such a abundance. They waste it. If a bonus suddenly comes to you, that's why many people, when they become multi-billionaires suddenly, they're sweating for it, they waste it. And that was what happened. And then after he wasted it, then there was famine. And in the end, he, he, was, he was in want. Now he went to go back home repentantly. Verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Before he could finish his uh, planned speech, but the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. So he came back home with no, no shoe. <laughs> he was absolutely to try to get something to eat. But so three, and bring either the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So the Lord was using this parable to symbolize the same thing he just said about the joy in heaven when the sinner repented. So these servants of this man are now rejoicing, merry that the boy came back home. That was exactly what the parable is also symbolizing. But let's continue to read. They began to be merry. Verse 25. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. Safe and sound? He didn't bring some, some jewelry or anything. <laughs> and he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered unto his father, Lo, this many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never givest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. What does that man say? He already divided his land, right? he divided his property, he said, well, this is for your big brother, this is for you little brother, and that man carried his own and left, and came back empty. Also. So whatever is left belongs to this big brother. But see, that's what his father is saying, his rest is yours really anyway, but we still need to enjoy him because this boy came back alive. <laughs> came back alive. This, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine, yours. Not thine, your brother, no, it's thine now. 
It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. But this thy brother, don't say it's just your son, your brother, was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. So he said, you have to rejoice for that. That he is dead, you could have said, you have no more brother. No, sir. But now you still have a brother, still is breathing. No matter what, he's, he has nothing left, but uh, he's still alive, he's something to rejoice over. That was the end of chapter 15. And I will continue right away in chapter 16 with this teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see what does that story of uh, the podcast tell us? God is telling us there's joy in heaven for a sinner that repents and comes back. There's joy in heaven. And then, of course, he also teaches us many other things which we have preached in some other sermons. Even the young, the, the son, the elder son that was jealous, also, there's a lesson to learn in that also. But we are not going to go through those teachings of lessons. We have to go through some of my sermons where I have done that. Chapter 16. Verse 1. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. So I am resolved what I ought to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. The man wanted to do something that if he lost his job, he will be able to get another job, at least with all of these former customers. So he's trying to please those customers. So that's what he said he was going to do. What did he do? Verse 5. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, How much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. And he's, he's trying to cut the page, what you call it, the making shrewd paperwork, and he's trying to cut the debt into half for them, so that they will say, well, that's a, that's a big saving, and they will like him for that, yeah, but uh, he's being corrupt also. So sit down and write 50, and you, you only owe us 50 measures of one, or seven. Then said it to another, and how much owe is thou? And he said, and 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, take thy bill and write First call, give you 20% discount. And in so doing, he just threw the paperwork to make it look like everything is okay. You know, this man owed us much, he said, all this much. And then very soon, he may say, well, this is the balance. The balance seems to be okay. And the, the Lord will say, well, they say you have stolen a lot of the money. Look like the, there's balance in the, in the book right now. But he said, the, boy, the man was cheating also. Doing from fraudulent uh, paper. Paper manipulation. Verse 8. And the Lord commended the unjust steward, that is, his Lord commended him, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Even though he did this thing cunningly, and that his Lord didn't realize that he has cheated him, but the uh, Lord was using that as an example to teach us that, hey, with all the things you have, if you make friends, you will get better reward if you are going to miss out somewhere else. And so I say unto you, make to yourself friends of the mammon of unrighteousness. Use your money, this money as your own. Make friends with it, not enemies. And you try to help people, help neighbors, help the gospel. That's the money that you are making, you can use it to even put yourself in better position in the future. You don't know what's coming in the future. That's what this story is teaching us here. 
say, make friends with mammon of unrighteousness that when you fail, that is when things happen wrong, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. Those whom you have helped when you are okay, when you are okay, you have helped them with your financial help. When something happens to you, you are also needing help, they will remember how you helped them and they may help you back. That's really what you can learn from this one. That's why the Bible says in another place in the book of Proverbs, it says that cast your bread upon the waters. It's what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 11. Cast your bread upon the waters. But thou shalt find it after many days. That is, what you have, do good to all men is what that means. Do good with your funding. Say so you will find it will come down the river and help you. Your bread that you cast over here, down the river, when you are in need, you find it. That's what he was saying in the book of Proverbs. And that is what this, uh, this parable of Jesus Christ also is teaching us. Now make friends with the mammon of unrighteousness that you are amassing for yourself. Don't just keep it for yourself and don't help anybody. Use it to help people, friends, neighbors, everybody, the gospel, everything. And as you are helping them, when you are in need also, they may come back and help you. That's why he say, when you fail, that's what it means, when you are in need, they may receive you into everlasting habitations, which is a deeper something. Verse 10, he that is faithful in that which is least, is faithful also in much. That is, if you are faithful in the small thing, you'll be faithful in that big thing. And he that is unjust in the least is also unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that is, the money that you are responsible for, you are not faithful, who will commit to your trust the true riches? What are the true riches? Spiritual wealth is the true riches. And God is the one that gives spiritual wealth. But if you are not faithful with the material wealth that He allows you to be responsible for, you are not faithful in using it right. He said, Who is going to give you the, the spiritual wealth? You are not going to be faithful in that either. Then it will help us. Verse 12. And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? That is, the, somebody, you are managing this money for somebody else, and you are not faithful. He said, You won't get your own either. That you should be managing for yourself. It's like it's like a principle of the of the Bible. As Tassie said, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But you cannot be serving God and be serving money. Because you will be loving one more than the other. If you love money more, then you are not going to love God also. You cannot serve God and mammon. You serve God and money will come in your way and you just be giving it out. You will just be giving it out. You will be like a conduit to help other people. If you love money, you will be stocking it, stockpiling it for yourself. Verse 14. And the Pharisees also who were covetous had all these things and they derided him. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached, and every man prays set into it. And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one title of the law to fail. Whosoever put away his wife and married another committed adultery. Whosoever married her that is put away from her husband committed adultery. Now this is we have uh, Luke put this one that way. If you go to Matthew chapter 19, it was more discussion of, of that marriage and divorce in Matthew chapter 19. But Luke just put a verse there, more like part of the thing that Christ taught here. Yeah. Verse 19. It's another, another 
parable of story. This is more like a story rather than a parable. The rich man and Lazarus. Let's read that verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and feared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of souls. Now remember the Lord says certain. That means it's a certain thing. This is not a parable. It is something that happened that the Lord knew. I saw it happen in the other side of the the people die and they go to the other side. This rich man and the beggar that will that died and go to heaven, to paradise and to hell. And the old logical will say this certain rich man and a certain beggar named Lazarus. Verse 21. And this Lazarus decided to be fair with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores, describing how terrible the situation of this Lazarus was. Verse 22 says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Evidently, the beggar was not buried, just dumped into the trash where some dogs eat the flesh. He said, but the rich man was buried, maybe in a beautiful coffin. But in hell, verse 23, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. That is the real you, is the soul and your spirit and soul. Goes to hell or paradise. But in hell, this rich man lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. He could recognize that was Abraham, you see. When people die, when they are on the other side, they will know. Just have your senses, your, your senses will be much more than what you are on earth. Have mercy upon me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. He also recognized Lazarus, maybe he always passed by and saw that man in at his gate, full of sorrow, and he said, get this man out of here. But when the man died, he was in the bosom of Abraham. Verse 25, say, Abraham's reply, and say, son, Abraham called him son. Abraham did not even deny him and say, I don't know you. Say, son, remember, which means when you are in hell or in paradise, you remember that you, you were once or not, and you are once like this or not. Say, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things. And last, likewise, Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. That's just by the way, because there's not me automatically anyone that is, uh, that is uh, poor is automatically going to heaven. No, you still have to fear God and worship God. And that was, by the way, for the, for the rich man to know. And not, it's also not all rich people that are going to hell automatically. It's how you live, how you live your life here, fearing God, helping other people with your wealth. Because Abraham that he was talking to was very rich and very wealthier than many people in that in his generation. So it is, it is how you live for God that will determine where you go after you die. Verse 26, Abraham continued to talk to this rich man. And beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which will pass from ends to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that will, that will come from thence. Then, the rich man said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him, always asking him to send Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Well, you say where he was now being evangelistic, trying to preach to his brothers, that they don't come to this place of torment of hell. Also. But Abraham answered him and said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. That is, they have preachers or not, they should hear those preachers. 
Moses are the prophets. Those are the preachers. Also. But the rich man thought, oh, he said, nay, what Abraham? But if one went on to them from the dead, they will repent. That's what he thought. And Jesus Christ will make them to see that even if one went from the dead, they will still not repent. They don't want to repent. Because Christ himself rose from the dead, he said, tell them that uh, somebody his, he came to steal his body. And hush, hush. And Jesus Christ called Lazarus from the dead. The same, another Lazarus, another Lazarus, four days in the grave. And they say, let's kill Lazarus so that people don't, don't because of Lazarus, believe on this message. See, that's why if they don't believe the preacher, they won't believe if somebody rose from the dead. So the Lord, the, Abraham's answer in verse 31. He said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. Though one rose from the dead. You hear that? Though one rose from the dead, they will not hear. They will be saying, Prove to me that you are the one that died. Prove it to me that you are the one that is that last one that died. Because they didn't want to believe. And that was why the Lord purposely called his friend Lazarus. He allowed Lazarus, his friend, the brother of Mary and Martha. See that in the Gospel of John chapter 11. He purposely allowed that Lazarus. He says, that Lazarus, not the same Lazarus that was in this story. That Lazarus that was died for four days, the brother of James, brother of Mary and Martha in Bethany, and Christ waited until the boy was dead for four days. Then he came and called him out of the graves. Four days in the grave. They thought he would be smelling right now, stinking. And Christ called him out of the grave. And people now begin to go to go see Lazarus with their own eyes. They are now believing in Jesus Christ. All the Jews that were heard about it, they were going to met me to go see Lazarus with their own eyes. That's, and believing in Jesus Christ. Now the Pharisees and the rulers thought we better do something. They were now thinking they are going to kill Lazarus also. And kill Jesus. So that they will People won't be going to go see Lazarus and believe. That was how human beings can be. So don't think that if they see somebody come from the dead, they will be persuaded. No. The Jews were not persuaded. They wanted it hush hush. Or they wanted to kill the one that came from the dead so that they can kill him again. That is how human beings can be lost completely. So don't be, don't be fooled. But Christ is calling anybody that will come and say, He that has here to hear, let him hear. There is the other side, there is hell and there is heaven. You go to heaven by accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, not by your religion. By accepting Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you give you a new heart and you'll be born again. And that's when you have a hope of eternal life. If you say your father's religion, or even church, Shanism, that just going to church and that's going to save you. No, it's not going to save you. You must be born again. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and give you a new birth. That is what he has commanded us. Thou, look, let's read to you in Romans chapter 10. What is the steps you should take to give to let Jesus Christ come and give you this new birth. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 said if thou shalt confess if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus that is Jesus is Lord and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation just confess that Jesus is your Lord and that he is the Lord of all and then believe in your that God raised him from the dead, which the Jews in that generation were not accepting. God raised him from the dead and he rose up and walked among these disciples for 40 days and then went up to him. And he can still appear to anybody up to now. He has appeared to me even in my room. The same nail print hands, nail print on the feet, and the, the sword pierced, spear pierced side 
he came in that glorified body, and I saw him. He can still appear to anybody like that, that, you, that but you don't demand it. You appear when he wants to. But if you believe, and ask him to come into your life, he give you a new birth, you'll be born again. And that is the only way you get to heaven. Any other way is leading to hell. I pray that the Lord will give you insight. If you are a believer, look unto him, he's coming soon. God bless you. This will be the end of chapter 16, and we shall continue in the next chapter. God bless you. Bye.